You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 877 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, and I am joined on today's podcast by Tower Jones. And in fact, this is part two of a two-part episode. So if you missed part one, you will want to listen to it. It's episode 876. It posted at the same time as this podcast. So go back and listen to that one first. Part one included my thoughts and Tower's thoughts on the offseason, all the transactions that the Hawks made, etc. On this podcast you're listening to now, it's a part two, which covers the season upcoming. Some rotation questions, projection stuff, Tower and I chopping it up on all kinds of topics with regard to how this team is going to come together this season, so you'll want to stay tuned for that momentarily. Also want to plug other podcasts that we've been doing on the, on the feed, including with Eric Horn, Harrison Fagan, etc. on this same podcast, and please, please, please subscribe to the show if you enjoy what you hear today and, other, and otherwise. Please leave five-star feedback, please tell your friends about the podcast, and it is always appreciated that you are listening to the podcast. Before we turn it back over to Tyler for part two, a word from our sponsors on today today's podcast and the first of which is built go whether it's a mental wall or a physical wall i can break through it right now with built go every single day and built go is a healthy replacement for your energy drink but energy is anything but fake instead it's both lasting and it's natural built go is easy to take a one and a half ounce packages you can put it in your briefcase your golf bag or your pocket get you through whatever you're facing today built go is essentially a five hour energy without the same feeling of a crash plus it's natural and it's better for the body as a result, and there are three delicious flavors to choose from in chocolate mint, peanut butter honey, and chocolate coconut. Bilgo is loaded with the good stuff to ignite your work. Listeners to the podcast will perhaps know that I have multiple jobs that I have to tend to on a regular basis, and sometimes I need a little bit extra to get through the day and the night, but Bilgo is a fantastic solution to break through my own wall in order to try it for yourself. Visit BiltGo.com, use the promo code LOCKED to get 30% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 30% off at BiltGo.com. Let's go. All right, Tyler, we're back for part two. We never stopped recording. We're still here. And uh, a good tease by you at the end of part one to talk about um, basically everything with the rotation. That's something I want to get into. Like, we've discussed how malleable they are, how how versatile they are, how much depth the Hawks have. But the question that I keep getting, and I haven't done a ton of it yet because it's still early and they haven't even started practicing yet, but like the broad question of what's the rotation going to be keeps happening to me and I get it it's a very natural question to ask so let's let's dive into it a little bit here we know we know some things but uh let's start in the backcourt um as a way to get into this because we haven't talked about Rondo or Dunn yet very much um obviously we know Trey Young is going to play a lot uh the most on the team by Donovan, we talked about at the, end, at the end of part one but um I'll open it up to you like what is the backcourt rotation in your mind what should it look like what will it look like like what are you expecting because they have a ton of guys now and they're all making real money too. Like, and they're all on multi-year deals. And it's, it's this really interesting thing. They have five, five perimeter guys who they have real investments in. And that doesn't even include like Brandon Goodwin, who they like, uh, but he's kind of the, the last guy. Um, but they have a lot of, they have a lot of, a lot of talent, a lot of options. Yeah. Uh, is it a cop out to say that it's going to depend on who they play? Well, no, like, I mean, that, that's, that's, that's also the really right answer. Feel, I mean, <laughs> that's the right answer. I really do feel it's not going to be consistent for particularly Rondo. Um, get into him for a bit. Well, yeah, R- Rondo especially is like the guy where we're all guessing. Like, he did his availability just, today, by the way, and I listened to it. I was there. I have it recorded. I can play the audio for everybody, but regard, I, I would say. 80% or more of the discussion with Rondo, both from him today, from other players, from Schlank, from Pierce, has been on leadership and not on the court. And that's yeah. that's a lot of that's just, a lot of that, a lot of that a lot of this narrative base because it's a very easy thing to ask him about, but there is a question in my mind of how much he's going to actually play. Like I don't know. I think he's gonna play, but he might not put back to backs. He might have nights where he's just not he's not right he's not right physically. Harrison Fagan came on the podcast last week and talked about how he had a bunch of hand injuries in the past. Like I'm not sure how many minutes Serrano is going to play. Like total. Yeah, I think it's going to depend on it it's really just going to depend on a night. Like if if 
Trey Young has it going. If Bogdan has it going, Rondo's minutes are going to go down. If Trey is, Trey has one of those stretches of basketball where he loses his mind. I could like I feel like <laughs> I feel like what Rondo is going to be is he's going to be Lloyd Pierce's Trey Young leash. That's what they got him for. They got him to rein Trey Young in when he's losing his mind. When well, for whatever and, and reason and they keep using the, they they keep using the coach on the floor phrasing as well. Everyone has yeah, used that. Just to settle everything down, have Trey Young take a breather. Maybe Trey Young's efforts abysmal on defense too much, and they and he pulls him for Rondo, and now he has cover. Lloyd has covered a bench Trey, and this is why this is why I, I kind of teased it earlier where I was like. You know, Trey Young's locked in for 32. I'm like, he's locked in for the most part. But there are, there oh, are come nights on. where I could see. Listen. I could see. I could absolutely see Lloyd just being like, all right, Rondo, get him. I mean, yeah, if he if he has a bad night early in the season, I guess, and, that and, could happen. And it's cover. It's cover for this. It's cover for this. It's so that when it does happen, right, Trey can't – doesn't have much to say because it's Rondo. Legend. This is something that's important for people to understand uh, from, you know, fans and podcasts, people who look at Rondo's on off splits and like, oh, dude's terrible or, you know, or for the other on the other side, we saw him what he did in the playoffs and be like, he's he's still that guy. Rondo is entering Rondo's old like he, he he's he's the same age as Josh Smith. Who is not in the league anymore, guys? Yeah, yeah. Rondo Josh is the oldest, the oldest guy on the team. They were roommates at Oak, at Oak Hill. Uh, Rondo is not a young man anymore, although he's my age, which is hilarious. They we're exactly the same age. Um, but it's funny, and this is why I had Harrison on in a, in a big way because he covered him. But just to kind of get across the fact that I think Rondo is not—I should say—is has not been very good in the regular season, but. Everybody loves Rondo, like especially young guys love, love Rondo. him, Brad. Love oh Rondo. my God, they love that dude, and he's gonna. They pay Rondo a lot of money to be a player, but they really that contract. I was like, this is one. If when they do make the playoffs, not if they should. <laughs> that's another topic. <laughs> that, but that, like, that, that'll be the last we talk. Last thing we talk about is how that is. How but when they make the playoffs, Rondo's gonna be a steady hand for the postseason because. He's a consistent postseason player. Like he's cons- no matter the team, except for Dallas, which is funny. Yeah, Dallas was the only time it went super. Oh, man, they're gonna I, be done so some, mad. They're gonna be so mad. I, I've done some Rondo- uh, some research on Rondo, um, and even in the situations that the PR wasn't great, like like Chicago or like Sacramento, it really wasn't Rondo. Um, from all that I have gathered that was a problem in either one of those spots, Dallas did not go well. And everyone says that, and that seems to be just accepted, that it was just not a good match. But ever since then, like even in Chicago, like he was the guy that seemed to be on the right side of that whole thing with the young guys. Like it was, He was kind of on the side of the young guys against Jimmy Butler and Dwayne Wade, which is kind of funny. Um, but anyway, regardless, I think that... I it, mean, people think, people think Rondo's going to come in and... Like I, I, I want to talk to people who think Ronald's just going to come in and create division among the locker room and all that. I'm like, I Ronald's not the same guy he was in Dallas. Like he's not even he's kind of matured a bit on he, one hand, and also he and en, he enjoys coaching. Like he enjoys teaching. And I wish you, I wish you had heard it today, and I wish I had the audio in front of me, but I don't. I was going to say this uh, at some point. I'll say it, I'll just say it now because I'm sure you haven't heard it yet. Like Rondo was great today with the media and he's not, he famously does not love media as a general rule, but his, he was so open about talking about what you just said, like the teaching part and like shadowing coaches and he wants to coach in the league. And it did, you know, I'm not going to always believe everything that a player or a coach says, because nobody should in public on the record, but he did a good job today. And also everything, everything that I have heard, I was more worried about him in the locker room a week and a half ago than I am now. And that's me from, that's from me doing due diligence and not necessarily just believing what he says in public, but like he was good today with the media talking about all that stuff. And his last couple stops, especially with the Lakers, like he's a different guy now than he was when he was a locker room concern 
or question mark. I don't think he was ever a bad locker room guy other than maybe in Dallas. But like he's by all accounts just a different a different cat now. Like he's an older guy. He knows, I think, somewhere that he's not the guy anymore, which is the biggest thing you have to figure out. It's like Vince in some ways. Like Vince is obviously even older and more of an right. old head. But like Vince, the biggest thing the guys have to know when they transition from being a star to not being one is that they're not a star anymore. And Rondo seems to get it. Like Rondo, Rondo knows that he's not that guy. He was talking like openly, like there was some prompting today, but he was really going in on like coach on the floor, extension of the coaching staff, taking young guys under my wing. I'm gonna, I, I, I want to watch uh, film with Trey, that kind of stuff. Like it was basically like the whole pitch that he that he even he was making was look, I'm here to lead. And I mean, it's I'll probably the play. pitch he gave to the Hawks. <laughs> yeah, it's I'm sure. the pitch he gave to the Hawks. Brad, this team doesn't need Ray John Rondo, like the player. No, it does not. Like, that's just, I mean, this, this is not a knock on Rondo. I still think Rondo can be good in certain situations. Like, I, like to me, I'm like, Rondo's probably in the Jason Kidd portion, the later year Jason Kidd portion of his career. And I think he could be a really good player when he's not being – the primary ball like for the Lakers we saw in the playoffs he was great he was he was legitimately I've never been the biggest Rondo guy on the court honest just candidly he was he was quite good in the playoffs like I mean he was different he was he was different and like he he put the heat series over the top for the Lakers you you can't expect that to happen like like, with regularity but he he still got it in there somewhere in spurts yeah and and so like they're, they're gonna they're gonna like to me I'm like okay Rondo's here to to teach these guys how to win, how, how to prepare for games. Because too often, like, they watch film. It's one thing to watch film. It's another thing to retain the information and then apply it on the court. And I think, to me, what Rondo's going to help is with the young big guys, and I think John Collins in particular, to tighten up on the little things that John Collins is bad at. Like, Because you watch the film – John, I feel like, I mean, I, I I know it's going back to Collins, but Collins got all the tools in the world to be a good defender, and he has stretches where he is a good defender. Problem is, he has these mental lapses that absolutely, that are flagrantly obvious to anybody watching him play, and they're crippling for due to the fact that he doesn't have the wingspan to compensate. Like he can't be, he has to be locked in, and I feel like having somebody not the coach. It's one thing for the coach, and it's hard to be. The thing is, Brett, it's it's tough to be hard on John Collins on his defense because he plays so damn hard. Right. It, it's not like it's not like Lloyd hasn't, or they or they haven't been, and it's you know, and like I said, Collins has re- long stretch. He had stretches last season where he was really good defensively. Then he had stretches where he, you know, season kind of got away. And he's just like, yeah. That's also know. that's also one of the reasons why why you don't I, I don't I don't think I've ever heard on the record anyway, like a coach really going in on John's defense, and it's because he plays hard. Like he'll yeah, ha- he'll mean, have those problems sometimes and they all know it. I mean, no one's already losing he's great defensively, but they're mental lapses. They're yeah. they're just not being it's not effort, it's not it's not effort. It's not an effort problem. It's not an effort problem. It's never been an effort problem. It's can you pick up the game mentally? And I think Rondo that's something they could really – that's something Rondo could really help John Collins with. It really re- – actually, because unlike – because, I mean, I, I know we make fun of Kuzma a bit, you know, me and you, but, like, Kuzma did have stretches in the in the bubble where he was pretty solid defensively. Oh, Kuzma. Shockingly competent defensively. And John Collins is a lot more – like, John Collins is – he's just a better athlete, more talented. Do you, do, you, like, do you remember that like six-month period when people thought Kuzma was better than Collins? Because I do. Man, we got to move on to something else. But <laughs> but regardless, regardless, Rondo really, he got he got in, you know, he got in the kitchen with, with Kuzma with the tape, and they went over how to be better. Yeah. And I feel like, I feel like Rondo with Trey Young in particular, just, just the small things that can make you five percent better or three percent better because that's the difference in the nba the margins are so thin you don't have to be 30 percent better to be a good defender if you're john collins you just got to be five percent better to be consistently good and and like i I feel like ronald's gonna lock you know he's gonna help you know bruno fernando he's gonna help he's gonna help all these guys and i think that's the pitch that he he sold to the guys they were like hey i'm here 
to lead, really lead these guys. I feel like there's a lot of talent on the team. And that's something he talked about, and we'll get a bit later, is like the Eastern Conference is not that talented. All the, you know, no. all, all these guys talking about how there's seven locks and that the Hawks paid all this money to be an AC. <laughs> like, people understand something. There are only three teams in the East with a point differential above five, which basically means there are only three teams that were 51 basketball teams or you know, slightly above 50 plus win basketball teams in the East Conference last year. There's, and two of those teams got a lot worse. It was, There's going to be another. And by the way, we was, don't know. Uh, those te- those teams, just for the record, those, those teams were Milwaukee, Boston, and Toronto and that you're talking yeah. about. And we don't know who's going to, who's going to, the team the Hawks are going to surpass. But here, here's the reality Hawks have a lot of talent. I would argue the Hawks are probably in the top third in terms of just. Basketball talent on the team right now. The Hawks are too deep at every position, even three deep at some positions. And they have a bunch of multifaceted guys who can do different things on the floor. Like they're going to, they're really going to punish teams who just don't have the talent advantage. Yeah. And that's why I really think the bigger signing, even though, you know, I think Ronald's going to help a lot. I think Chris Dunn is going to be really good for this team. And I think Chris Dunn is going to play a lot, Brad. I don't know who he's going to play over. I don't think it matters. I think Lloyd is going to find ways to get Chris Dunn on the floor, regardless. Yeah. I, I, think, I think you're probably right. I, I'm worried about the knee a little bit now, but maybe not. Uh, I, I'm just guessing. Uh, that's a concern. I'm not sure how much of a concern it is, and we won't know until they start playing. Yeah. Um, I mean, if he's, if he's out there He's a, he's ahead of where Okonwu and Tony Snow. Yeah, are. So, and, like, and that's I, it's been it's a while. Tough to, it's since. tough to speculate. What, right, what we're, the we're deal guessing. Is with we're definitely and, guessing. I just, um, I agree. I mean, I, I love the Dunn fit. I, that was a guy I was banging the table on for six months. I, I wanted. It's, to just, sign it's just fascinating how the Hawks. You know, they added Capella. They drafted um, Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter. <laughs> They signed. The defense pitch, I mean, they signed Chris Dunn. Um, they go out and sign Solomon Hill to a minimum contract. I am pro. I am pro. Um, this is a pro Solomon Hill podcast. I like Solomon. Uh, and you know, Hawks are going all in on offense, Brad. They're going all, right, all we'll, we'll in. Sa- we'll sa- we'll save that. All in. I do want to ask you. A couple- and I like I like Michael Pena, but I'm like. No, my I thought Mike's piece was good. I, I it was. I, I get I'm, the I'm, I get the I get the issue that you're I, I I'm sort of on your side here. I think defense is being overlooked. We'll come back to that in a second. I do want to ask you a couple of things. Can okay, these are these are both backcourt related and we'll just transition down the spectrum. Number one, can or should Rondo play with Trey? Number two, can or should and this this one I have a stronger opinion on. Can or should Rondo play with Chris Dunn? Because my answer to both is no, and my my answer to uh, Chris Dunn and uh, and Rondo is like an absolute no. Like I I, I don't want to see that lineup ever in my mind. Um, but I'll preface before I let you answer. It shouldn't matter because they have Herder and Bogdanovich, so it, they have enough to make that happen. I just want to ask people ask me, especially about Rondo and Trey. Like, can those guys play together? And my answer is kind of like, you know, they could, but I don't know why they need to. Yeah, it's one of those things. Like, but for what reason, purpose would would we throw Trey and Rondo? Well, and part Rondo of it is together. that you, you know, this part of this part of the fact is there is a segment that still that still thinks of Rondo as this great defensive player, which he absolutely is not at this point. Um, not in the regular season, right? And and by the way, even if he was, that guy is done. That's why you signed done. Like Dunn is the guy who you can play with Trey. That, that's the whole point of Chris Dunn is that Chris Dunn can play with Trey. Chris Dunn can play with Bogdanovich. He can play with Herder. Like Chris Dunn, because the Hawks have shooting, right? A lot of shooting. Chris Dunn is going to play a lot. A lot Just of shooting, he, and they have and they have a, creation. That, he that, is a yeah, and they have creation too. Like they have because that, that's the big problem that's with, with that's Chris why Dunn. The Bogdan, the Bogdan signing was so huge. It's like right. now you can play Chris Dunn a lot more. And that's the problem with Chris Dunn. And I love Chris Dunn. I'm a big Chris Dunn guy. The thing with Chris Dunn is that he's a quote-unquote point guard that is a point guard because he can't shoot and he can't really run an offense. But in Atlanta, if you're playing with Trey Young, that's cool. You're playing him with Bogdanovich, he doesn't have to to run the offense anymore. 
that, that's that's why it's such a great fit with Chris Dunn now, especially. But the only crossover is you have Rondo. So like, that's a question that I I understand people asking is like, okay, what's Chris Dunn going to do now that you have Rondo and vice versa? And it might go back to what we said before that Rondo may not play that much, but. I think there are so many ways that Chris Dunn can make this team better, a lot better. Like, because you just let him cook on what he like. He's so good at just taking a guy be, away. Brett, it cannot be stressed. Chris Dunn is. I, I I feel I feel strong about this too. I think Chris Dunn is the best perimeter defender in the NBA. I don't think it's up for much of a debate. At, at least on guards, like uh, you said, perimeter and like you get into like. Does that mean guarding like Kawhi? Maybe not. But like in terms of just on guard size players, Brad, I, think I, I did not preface my statement. I know. I'm just with saying anything. I know Chris Dunn, but he can't. But can he? Can, but can he guard like the big? He doesn't have to. By the way, can that guy dribble? Can it? Can anybody <laughs> dribble on that man? No. The only person who can is Trey Young. Well, and, and they're I, on the same team now. I, I've heard, it's funny because I heard from some people like when they signed Chris Dunn, even before that, when I was I was campaigning for for Chris Dunn and on the Hawks, I got a couple of folks that were like, "We couldn't stop Trey," and it's like, "Well, I know because nobody can stop Trey. It doesn't mean he's not a good defender. Like everyone, everyone that watches Chris Dunn is like that guy's an awesome defender. There's like there's no like this not this is not projection by us. Chris Dunn is a capital letters awesome defensive player. Like even if you don't think he's as good as we do. He's definitely very, very, very good, and the best defender on the team. Like he just is. He's gonna. Be, he's a, he's a super. He's a super weapon to be used, and you know sometimes they might not need to use him that much, just depending on the matchup. Yeah, right? there, there might be nights where he doesn't be, play. I mean, you look at the he rotation. Doesn't play that much, yeah. or he doesn't play at all. Just and it's okay. Um, if you're playing a team that does not have a number one option on the perimeter, you may not need Kristen. Because that, that's by far his number one thing is to just like, if you're playing the Nuggets, you're playing Chris Dunn to just take Jamal Murray out of the game as much as you possibly can. Yeah, because we can't, we can't have Jamal Murray just cooking. Or, nope. or if take you're playing out. whoever, like pick a team in the East. Like if you're, if you're playing a team like, I don't even know who, like the, the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, the, or, yeah, the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, like you, all right, you're, you're, you're putting Kyrie, him on please. Kyrie. That, that, is, that is why you have Chris Dunn on the roster. But if we're, you're sub, playing, we're subbing early, we're subbing, uh, we're subbing Bogdan out early this game, right? Chris, it, it's it's go time. Like we need but, to. But, but if you're playing, this up. if you're playing a team like Milwaukee or a team like Philly, you may not need to play Chris Dunn because his exactly. utility is to take away a guard that those those teams don't have. Like you don't you don't need Chris Dunn to take out Drew Holiday. Like other guys can guard Drew Holiday. Cam Reddish can guard Drew Holiday, like very easily. So it might be, and that's a, that's one of those nuanced things that's so hard about this whole conversation is that the Hawks have eleven or twelve guys, and yep. there might be a night where you don't see Dunn. There might be a night where, where, you, where you don't see Tony Snell, or you don't see whoever a Kongwu even. Like the the only thing is, I'm fairly confident that the three wings are going to play, but their their playing time is going to be dependent on how well they're playing. You talking about the kids, the young guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Herder. Because Bogdanovich is going to play every night, obviously yeah. a, a lot, um, and I think one of those guys, and I know, I know, where, I know where you would go with this, and you would go with Cam, as most Hawks fans would. But I, I think one of those, I think one of the Reddish or Hunter is going to play more than the other, yeah, and probably clearly. play a lot. And the other guy and Herder are going to be, they'll play, but not as much because they just. There's just not enough space. Like Bogdanovich is just yeah, better than enough, those guys. There's there's not enough minutes. But at the same time, I still think Herder's going. Like if you're worried about Herder's playing time, I wouldn't because he's that's just how good of a uh you know a, a secondary and third tertiary playmaker he is. Plus he's a great shooter. He's oh, yeah. going to play and he he's solid on defense. And now play him with Dunn. You're not, like here's the thing: great. you're not tethered. You're not tethered to playing Trey Young and Kevin Hurd all the time. And the biggest weakness those two guys had defensively is that they're both super skinny. Well, that's the thing. Honestly, we've said this, we've said this for a long time. They're not a great fit together. They never were. No, I mean, that, that was actually a, not a good fit, primarily because Kevin Herter can't guard point guards, and he's also fairly skinny. Yeah. And Trey Young is super skinny. 
and also struggles at the point like also can't they'll still they'll still play some together this year but if i'm if i'm lloyd i'm probably trying to not play them a ton together like you want to use herder more when trey's off the court quite frankly Mm -hmm. like I, i think some of those lineups like one of my favorite looks with Trey off the court would be like a lineup that has Chris Dunn, Kevin Herter, and Bogdanovich on it as the yeah. three perimeter guys. And maybe even go small and like have, you know, Cam, Cam or DeAndre at the four and like kind of go small and switchy. Because if you have Chris Dunn, you can switch, which is something you really can't do a ton of with Trey. Trey's not a that's, switch guy. It, that's interesting because... Um, I know, you know Lloyd, Lloyd doesn't want to do that. I know Lloyd, Lloyd said that. I, I, I see where he's coming from, too. I, I went and looked at some clips after Lloyd said, and people that heard this on the podcast probably, Lloyd said that Chris Dunn's not a great switch guy, and I, I agree, but you you could still – he can. He can do it in a way that – Yeah, it's not that he's, he's – I don't, I don't even think he's necessarily a bad switch guy. I think the he, point he he's trying to like make it. is that Chris Dunn <laughs> – He's a competitor. Chris Dunn is a guy you put on one man, and yes. he's not leaving that man. That's That's his – that's that's his wired focus on defense, but the Hawks are probably gonna. He's probably going to have to do a bit more switching. Well, and the other thing is, the other thing is on that lineup that we just talked about a little bit. You could take Dunn out of out of that lineup and have it be reddish. Like if you play, and and then you really go switchy because that's that's the plus about having Madonna that we talked about on part one is that if you have Bogdanovich, Herder, and Reddish on the court together, that's more than enough creation. Exactly. Yeah. Like you don't have to. I mean, there's no there's no point guard there, quote unquote. But guess what? Chris Dunn's not a point guard. Like offensively, Chris Dunn is a guy who can run a pick and roll like somewhat functionally, but he's a pretty bad offensive player. Like I like him a lot, but he's not a great offensive player at all. So you're not really losing much on offense by going from Dunn to Reddish or Dunn to Hunter in terms of like having a guy out there that's a little bit bigger. If you wanted to go switch heavy and play one of those like really modern. Where everybody's six five to six ten, and have Collins yeah. play center and just kind of just go like that. Like that's a very interesting lineup in my opinion. If you're going to play just to, just to run it down again, something like Bogdanovich, Herder, Reddish, Hunter, and Collins under second or 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 a, a Kongwu instead of Collins or whatever you want to say. Like one of those reserved lineups where you just you're just playing much differently than you would be with Trey, but you can try that stuff. Yeah, that and that. I mean, that's the thing that. Dun, that, that Bogdan unlocks, that Chris Dunn unlocks, that even somebody like Gallinari unlocks. Like you could, yeah, you can you could throw out a lineup where it's Dunn, Cam Reddish, Bogdan, DeAndre Hunter, Gallinari. Lloyd Lloyd talked about Gallinari playing the five today with Zach Lowe, and like yeah, defensively Gallinari at the five is not what you want, but he's he's, but when he's you strong, have, he's big. Like and he, when you have Chris Dunn. Because he's such he's such a game changer, you know. When that level of defender, like that, that's gonna. It reminds me a lot of what, like I feel like Chris Dunn. I don't know the minutes he's gonna play, how consistent it is, but I, I feel like he's I, at the end of the day when the season's over, he's gonna play a lot of minutes. Yeah, uh, I think so too. And he's going to be a very. He's gonna have a just a gargantuan impact on the team of uh, just do to just do to how good he is as a defender. And, you know, we talk and like, this goes back to like, I, I feel like there's a lot, a lot of op- defensive upside for this team. As long again, if you don't tether your brain to X player has to play Y amount of minutes, if Pierce is going to optimize his lineups based on his matchups, based on what he needs during the game, they should be pretty solid defensively. I don't know how solid. I don't know what solid means anymore. <laughs> All by right. the way, I don't. I don't know what solid means. I just don't think. I think there's some real defensive upside for this team, particularly because I'm big on Cam Reddish's defense. Clint Capella is. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Clint Capella is a gargantuan upgrade of what they've had last year. Okongwu is too. And even Collins is an upgrade of what they had to begin the season when he he was out those first you know for twenty five games like yeah compared to what they were throwing out last year like all right so that when this Alex is a, uh, wasn't on the floor they couldn't do it like they literally could not this get is a, when yeah Alex we, Lynn wasn't we, on the floor until John Collins showed up right and then they could at least get marginal stuff people don't understand 
they look at Collins and what his defensive rating was when he was on the floor for the team. They're like, eh, that's fairly mediocre. But, like, it was so much worse before Collins stabilized. Even Collins at the five and suboptimal lineup. People have people have forgotten the Damian Jones, Jabari Parker lineups that we had to watch last year at, at times. Um, all right, but before we get into that, I want that's a good transition that you just brought up. I want to take a break to hear from, hear from our sponsors for a second. We'll come back and get Towers' uh, preseason thoughts on the defense, uh, how good the team is, etc. So hold on tight. All right, uh, you teed it up. Your defensive thoughts are out there. I think I'm closer to you than the consensus. I think that I'm lower on the defense than you are. They they are they I'm, are they are better on they are better on defense now than they were before. I think full stop. Capella by himself would do that, and then they added the other guys. Also, an underrated thing that you kind of br- you kind of brought up there was that look, Reddish was already pretty good last year defensively, um, but year one to year two on defense for almost everyone is a pretty big time to improve, and that goes for that goes for both of those guys, Reddish and Hunter. I think Hunter especially. And even guys like Trey Young should improve defensively from last year. I think Herter may not improve a ton, but he shouldn't be worse. That's for sure. But Dynamich helps them, as we as we discussed before. So before we get into like some prediction stuff, what do you think about the defense overall? Like, is it still going to be bottom five, bottom ten? I think I think they should be shoot like they should be shooting for league average. Like to me. Just based on the on on these parameters, I'd be surprised. But I, here, I'll, I'll hear I'm, you. I'm, but I'm, I'm saying that should be the goal. Like yeah. that should be that should be what they should be striving for. Is honestly they and they have a chance to. They have the talent. Like that's the thing. They have the defensive talent to even be better than that. But it's going to depend on lineups and all that good jazz. But here's what they've improved on defensively. They're going to be a much better rebounding team. Defensive rebounding. Defensive rebounding was probably. The number two weakness this team had behind, they couldn't stop anybody at the point of attack, and and outside of Alex Lynn, John Collins, and Dwayne Dedman, they had no rim protection. Their rim protection was comical. And so they've improved on all three facets of that. Like They've improved on all three facets of defense in regards to just on the macro level. Um... But it's going to come down to are they going – like to me, the defensive – how high or low they are defensively is going to come down to this. How well do they communicate on the floor? I think that's that was their biggest weakness these last couple of years is that they don't talk to each other. They don't – unless they play 3-2 zone and then all of a sudden it's like for some reason 3-2 unlocks their, their vocal cords and they're they're able to communicate and speak to each other when they should uh, pass guys off. It's it's bizarre that it took, you know, that 3-2 zone stuff. I'm like, why is why why can't they do this when they're playing man? But whatever. Now, they got vets, and they got guys who will talk to each other. And their young guys are a bit older. And, you know, they got stuff to prove. And they know if they want to win consistently, they have to get stops. They just can't be. It just can't be. We're going to outgun teams you're just not going to win consistently that way i think they i think they they're motivated to do it and and that's why i'm like you know with bogdan being prepared with trey young uh because he's big he's another guy who could potentially switch off when when trey's in a in a bad situation he could switch off on that like there's there's they they have an ability now to actually hide Trey Young more than they did when he's playing alongside Kevin Herter because he just can't hide. They couldn't hide Trey when, when Kevin Herter when when those two played with each other. Now they kind of can. Um, but it, it, to me, their defense, how good they are defensively, is going to come down to how good they are at communicating with each other. Like because they have the the physical talent is there. The physical talent to be a plus defensive team is there. It's about applying those physical tools in order to get dis- deflections, disruptions, um, hustle plays, blocks, steals. They should play a lot harder and a lot harder consistently now that they're a deeper team, right? Yeah. And so, like, I feel like they have a lot of – they have a lot more upside defensively than they get credit for it. I think I, – I really hate – 
defensive RPM in the sense that it, <laughs> it, it's just like no, it was. Listen, you just I, say it. I ranted a little it, bit about it. I, I think that, that it, it's it's silly to think the Hawks are gonna be last in defense. Like I, I'm lower on no. than you, but the whole thing is, I mean, the catch-all defensive metrics are tough. They're just not they're tough because it's they can just, be helpful, it, but they're, they're, they're you can't just take them for what they are. They don't and go. They really don't tell the story. Like well, de- defense is extremely hard. I mean, w- without going like yeah. a twenty minute thing, defense is extremely hard to track on an individual basis because everything around you matters. Like, and that's, that's the same on offense too. But offense, there's just better stats for it. And defensively, like every even the people that like the catch all metrics will tell you they can't. They can't find everything. Like, if you're playing with Damian Jones at center, there's nothing you can do. Like, and I'm not I'm not trying to pick on Damian Jones, but just as an example, if you're playing with a I really re- like so much so much of the analysis was like of the Hawks defense really does come down to Damian Jones played a ton of minutes. Jabari Parker was, played a ton of minutes. And Jabari Parker and they like, played a ton of minutes together. Because they literally had nothing else, and the, I mean, and hurt. honestly, it comes down. It's it's funny. That's a. I mean, we said, we've done this before, but that's a much bigger problem than Trey is. Like everyone knows Trey's bad. I I get it. Trust me, I get it. But having a bad center is a much much bigger problem defensively than having Trey on the court. It but just, it's it it really undersells how bad he was. Like I, I can't stress the the Damian Jones that Clint Capello. It's yes. still the biggest upgrade they've made on all, all the upgrades they've made. I agree. That upgrade is massive. Clint Capella is going to look like an all NBA caliber defender compared to Damian Jones. And I'm actually really like, glad that they've done this too, but tr- both Travis and Lloyd have made it a point to say multiple times that, look, our offseason started when we got, when we got Clint. And that's some of that's just like speak that people do, but it's also correct. Clint Capella is really good. And, the gap, the replacement level, you know, all that stuff, the upgrade in value there, especially on defense. I mean, offensively, you could litigate it all day long, but going from a I mean, bad, going from a bad defensive center to a good one is the biggest upgrade you can have on a basketball court in the NBA right now. On yeah. defense, is a bad you center have, to a good center defensively. You have to have quality, competent, athletic big men in this in the NBA today. Or you're just going to get eight up. You're just going to get eight up, even if even if they're not even if they're not mentally where they're supposed to be in the right place. Like it's such a, you have to have them because they, you know, these got to are required to do so much. And Capella is going to like I feel like Capella is going to change how they defend. Like he's going to change what they can do. Like they have options. To me, I'm like with. John Collins, Clint Capella, you can play an aggressive style of defense and not get burned because you got two athletic big men who can box other big men out and grab the rebound at the same time. Like you can do more. You could just do more. Last year, they literally couldn't do anything. It was Damon Jones, Jabari Parker, Bruno Fernando, and like Lloyd would put his hands up. Yeah. Brad. I mean- it's funny. John you, Collins, you John and I Collins have defended Alex Joel Embiid <laughs> yeah. was by far when Joel Embiid went for like fifty. Collins was by far their best option. Yes, like as, it, as, as soon as Alex Lynn was hurt, they had no other options on defense. Alex Lynn got hurt when they got Deadman. Deadman consistently got into foul trouble, consistently, and it just even though he was good, but he couldn't be on the floor. So it wasn't that valuable. So it was literally just John. If John Collins wasn't in the game, oh, it's a wrap. It's just a wrap. Regardless, like the Grizzlies game where they got ate up by Jonas Valanciunas. If John Collins wasn't on them, they were toast. And guess what? When John would would defend them, defend the shot, nobody would be there to get the rebound. Like it was. But now they just have more options they just and that is such an important if you want to build a good defense yep. just having more options on a game-to-game basis is going to help them so much like i feel like and this is why i'm really like to me brad like when we look at on the macro on how good the hawks should be they should be shooting for not playing in a playing tournament for the playoffs like that that is what Lloyd said today, by the way, kind of in an indirect way. But he said to Zach Lowe 
something like, you know, he was asked about the plan tournament. He said, you know, something like, uh, now, that we know now that we know there's a plan tournament, we can try to not be in the plan tournament, essentially, yeah. is what he said, which is right. I mean, that, that's what you want to do. I mean, realistically, would I pick them to miss the plan tournament? Probably not. But that has to be the goal. Like, you can't, your goal can't be the A seed. That's not, that's not a goal for the team. They know yeah, that they're, not the goal. They know they they're have, good. And like, one, they know they're good. They have upside. Now it's just about going out on the court and winning basketball games. And also, what this is a small thing in, re, in relative terms, but if you're in the playing game, if you're in the playing tournament, one bad night and you're and you miss the playoffs, and that and then that's that's your whole goal. Like, and it's tough, man. Like, even as much as you poked fun at this, there are six teams, maybe even seven, that are returning that have expectations in the East before the Hawks. And if you if you get if you're the seven seed and you flame out in the playoffs because Trey Young got hurt or something, that's brutal, man. Like that 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 absolutely torpedoes like what you're trying to build in a lot of ways. It's a little thing in, in, in sort of the grand scheme, but can you imagine if you're the seven seed? Like there's a risk that you're not making the playoffs still. Yeah, that's why they should be shooting for. I mean, look, man they they just have the here's the thing they have the talent to be a a team that's hosting a playoffs, you know, hosting a playoffs. Well, well, let's get into this because you talk about the, the, talent, you talk about the NBA defense. talent. Yeah. Let's talk about, let's talk about the offense real quick before we get into like the, the, the broad strokes, because the defenses, we all know they're better on offense and defense. If they get to be league average on defense, which is the goal, like then they're obviously a playoff team, obviously like very, very clearly like top five, six in the East. If they actually get to league average on defense, they probably won't. But if they did that, that would be more than enough on offense. You said they had the chance to be number one on offense. Like, I doubt that they will be number one, but I think it's very reasonable to have them as a top five offense on paper if everybody's they're going to They're going to shoot a lot of threes, and unlike in years prior, they actually have shooting talent to make them, combined with elite finishers in John Collins and Clint Capella and, and Trey Young. <laughs> like, and, 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 this, and, this and most thing, importantly, Trey Young. If 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 you're as high as Trey Young as I am, they should be shooting for home court. Like and like that's that's what they should be doing. That's what they should be doing. If Trey Young is as good as I think he is, and is if John Collins is as good as I think he is, home court should be the goal for this team. Period. Okay, so now home now you I, I agree that that should be their goal. Now I'm gonna ask you not in a goal sense, how good are they in your mind? Not not projection, not goal. Like what what are you what are you thinking as your like actual projection for the Hawks this season? And I know it's impossible to do this because they have so many new pieces, schedule's not even out, all that stuff. But what is your projection like? Okay, so for instance, as an example, the odds makers have the Hawks over under at like 35, 36. I know you're higher than that. But like, where where are you in terms of what you're actually expecting to happen? If it was an 82 game season, yeah, probably around the 45 win, 45, 46, 47, 44, 43. So, so basically, like, so basically, and and that, and for this for this year, that would be like, you know, high 30s in wins. Yeah, high 30s, maybe low close 40s. to close to 40. If they, you know, 40, 40 and 32 is uh you know close to like i don't know upper 40s in regular terms yeah that sounds reasonable to me like i've said and i'm not finally on on this before but i i've said i'm picking them i think to finish seventh i like them more than indiana which makes me higher than the consensus but i think they're better than indiana like just roster wise i think they're better than indiana i mean i think roster wise they're better than a lot of teams that are ahead of them it's really not about that yeah, I mean, paper. I, I'm just saying the thing is, we just don't wise. know because we haven't seen it. Well, right, we that, seen we're it. all guessing, and this this is why I'm not trying to pin you down or anything. It's just it's it's really really impossible. It always is, if but especially when you do this with a, with a whole a whole new team in terms of you're bringing in four or five guys that are going right, to play wanna, for you. I want to take the record out because I I like there's a, there's a real chance they could they could be the equivalent of a 50 win team. Yeah, but I want to take that, the record. That I would not take, surprise I, me. I want to take the record out for a bit. Uh oh. I just want to talk about get loose. Where I think they're going to land. I, I think without question they're going to be. I, to me, 
I think they're one of the six best teams in the Eastern Conference. What? Who's? Oh, so who's the who's the team that's? Yeah, you ask me. I don't know. Okay, it, it just depends on just which team, which team has real regression. I think there are teams. There are teams I, with some with some, with some downside worse. potential, the like Heat Toronto. Sneakily, they, the Miami Heat sneakily got a lot worse. Oh, th- okay. So when, I'm going to say something for my for my over under podcast, he, but that he, that, that the is thing. the team for me that uh, I am not a Heat believer. So 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 here's the thing with me with the Miami Heat because I one I think they're good. Yeah, I mean they obviously were. Good. I don't. I I think the but I think the Hawks are a lot closer to the Miami Heat than what odds makers are projecting just based on really on this um i i should also add by the way here's the thing about the heat the 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 playoff version of the heat was not what the regular season version of the heat was also but they also lost crowder and well yeah they lost crowder and also my 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 thing with the heat was you mentioned this earlier in the podcast but the heat had a net rating of like plus two and a half last year in the regular season and like, there's a very real chance they're they, they might be better than that but i need to see it from them on a game-to-game basis well also because i mean i mean honestly, people the, forget. the biggest reason why they got i mean other than jimmy jimmy was great bam was great the biggest reason why miami made the leap they did in the playoffs was that Goran Dragic was really good and he is 35 Goran Dragic was really good and jay crowder in the buck series hit every three he took and like that killed Milwaukee. And, it, and I'm not. Before I get feels, anybody yelling at me, I, I, Miami's better than the Hawks, I think. But I think so too. But I'm, this is. But my point is this. My point is this. I think they're. I think they're. On a talent level, I don't. I, I, here's the honestly, on a pure talent level, Hawks are as good as any team in the Eastern Conference. Let's let's be clear here. There's no. Le, LeBron James is in the West. Kawhi Leonard's <laughs> in the West. Uh, Mo- Milwaukee, Milwaukee's a lot. Milwaukee's notably worse, I think, than they were a year ago. Giannis is Giannis is the elite talent that drives everything. The Sixers, I don't know, man. I like what they did, but I think the damage has been done. Well, like, I, I, apparently, and, and apparently, uh, the team that I would that I would present to you would be Boston, but Kemba Walker apparently is uh, in some trouble when it comes to health. So I, I don't yeah. know, man. Like that's that's why I'm not saying the Hawks are better. Like they, they're not better than those teams. They're, they're not. But the outcome might be they're just the seventh best team in the Eastern Conference. Because I think they're better than the Pacers. I don't even think I it's do much too. of a. I don't even think it's much of an argument. I just don't think the Pacers were really good last year. It was a lot of smoke and mirrors with them. I, and Indiana, got, uh, by the way, net rating last year, one point nine. Yeah, these not these are not world beaters that the Hawks could potentially surpass. Um, um, the Sixers still worry me because they really don't have a point guard. And I don't like, I, I, they, they have spacing. Yes, but they have no other than Ben Simmons on the fast break. I don't know what they do to get outside of John B post-ups. Like I still don't know what they're going to do on offense. Um, even with Doc Rivers as head coach. So, like, I just like these are every every team in the Eastern Conference is flawed except for Milwaukee, which is hacked the regular season by just having. Um, well, actually, their 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 formula for the regular season is a little bit uh, shaky right now. They they lost a lot of depth. Not that they're, they're true. They'll, they'll still be really good. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. True, but, but as long as Brooke Lopez and Giannis Antetokounmpo is on that floor <laughs> form, yes. they're uh-huh. probably going to be the best defense in the NBA once again. And then just in the regular season, like nobody can stop them in transition. And even though they don't have great shooting, they somehow make it work in the regular season. It's just, but like, I, mean, I don't know, but regardless, it's, and that's not even really concerned. Obviously, I, I don't think anyone outside of the most cheery Hawks fan is going to talk about like them making the conference finals this year. That's no, a little bit too no. much. Um, but and that's like, not what I'm saying. I'm just, I know. I'm my, my, my larger point is on a talent level. Yeah. It just depends on can this, can this group of talent become an actual team and play well on the floor, the way their talent suggests. And this also is hindering on the fact that we are relying on one of the three wings that the Hawks believe in to really be good next year. 
Yeah, I'm glad right. you said. That. I'm glad you said that because they really, really, really need. And honestly, it, with with all due respect to Kevin Herter, who I like, it really needs to be one of the other two because they need, yeah. they need they need the defense more than anything. Because if not, Chris, like, but that's the, the upside. Is like, if if all three then if all three are bad, then Chris Dunn is just going to start and play a lot. And no because... one, no one thinks that that they're going to be like you know you know for if they could just get this is a modest projection, but even if they just get like February Cam Reddish. That's that's enough, like, and you're hoping for better than that. But that that would be enough, I think, at that spot. But you're right. That that is the one, honestly. Other than just like general lineup construction, lack of experience in terms of like being in the playoffs, all that stuff, infrastructure. The one question, like actual question, if everyone's healthy, is what happens at the three. Like, and that's something we could talk about forever. I know you are much higher on Cam than DeAndre. That's the consensus, I think, for the, for Hawks fans and people around. But they need one of those guys to to be pretty good. They just they just do. and if they're not, then their ceiling is relatively capped, right? Then they're they're, but you know they have backups in like Snell and Solomon Hill are solid. Yeah, Tony Snell can play. Like that's that's the crazy yeah. part. Like Tony Snell would be a probably third or fourth wing, but he'd be in a rotation for most teams in the league, and he's not going to yeah. be in a rotation. I don't think. Yeah. So like. Maybe you will be, but I don't know. The good thing about this roster is we don't have to rely on these wings, but if they want to be more than just fighting for in the playing tournament for the seventh or eighth seed, one of those guys has to make the quote unquote proverbial leap. And just you know you want to say, I'm waiting for you to, I'm waiting for you to just come out and stand on stand on the desk about Cam Reddish. I'm I'm waiting for it. You haven't given it to me yet. I mean, we I gotta see with Cam. You know? Okay. All right. That's it's your one guy, thing though. you know, that's my guy. Uh but We'll see. He's got to. He's got to actually compete in practice, right? From that, that is that is the word of of camp so far. From is, is, is from, competition, by the way. Like Cam Reddish is incredible on the floor during games defensively, but he's got to bring it at practice. And now, if he doesn't, like if he like if, to get the best out of Cam, he's he's just going to have to. It's weird, right? Like practice isn't, you know, people think practice is not that important in the NBA, but like for a young guy, he's got to get, he's got to develop the proper habits, right? Well, especially early on. I mean, if he wants to be consistently good in this league and wants to be as great as he thinks he can be, which I think he can be, he's got to have the proper habits. And we just don't know. I haven't seen him play. The the big thing about what what you just said about practice, by the way, people think about practice as like in season. Practice in season in the NBA is not what people think it is. Like it actually is not that intense exactly. usually. It's but the 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 training training camp, like they're going hard. Like Lloyd made a joke about it today that wasn't a joke on Zach Lewis podcast. They're gonna be going hard from day one. Like there's no question. They gotta about see. It. They yes. gotta see who's gonna who who did the work in the like he's gonna come out who who's actually put in the hours. Once the once the season in. starts, like the practices in the NBA are not too grueling it's more film and stuff like that but the camp's gonna be serious and they don't have they don't have time to fool around so that's the thing like people want me to like weigh in on what's gonna happen at that spot i don't know man they 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 invested a lot in deandre hunter they still like deandre hunter i know they love ken reddish they always have you can't start both of them so nope one of them one of them will start and we'll see who which one it is i know people will be really upset if it's not cam and i, I get it but they'll pick the guy they, that they think is the best guy there's no there's no conspiracy here like the ship has sailed on all that like it's all about competition at this point, and whoever Lloyd and like thinks I said, is better if, if is going to play. If neither of them grabs the bull by the horns, then Chris Dunn will be starting. Like, don't don't rule that out. I would. Uh, it'd be. It would be. An, it, I wouldn't have a problem with that because I like Chris Dunn. But man, I would. It would be a freak out if they started Chris Dunn. But that. I mean, that's that's the. Uh, I'd be cool with it. Because what? I mean, but they they just want they want these guys to come out and compete, put in the hours that they're supposed to put in, everything they need to do before games, and just be better mentally prepared for this season because it's winning time. Like, we can't – there's – like, when – there's – if DeAndre Hunter, Kevin Herter, and Cam Reddish have stretches like they have during the season where last year where they're not good, they're not going to play. That's that's the reality. 
like Herder wants to play more, he's got to be aggressive with his shot taking. Like he's got to shoot more threes, or or your box score is going to look pretty chump. That's reality, man. That's the reality of the NBA now. Since you got this, this team got talent. They all wanted to be better. They all wanted to win. Guess what? This is what it's going to look like. You got to compete. You got to play. You know, and you got to compete. Doesn't just mean play harder. You got to be smarter. You gotta. You just gotta do what you gotta do, and I, I really do think this environment that they have now with all this talent. You know, if Cam Reddish did what he did, what he needed to do in the off season, I find it hard to believe he won't be the you know the one starting like at the end of the day, just because he's just the more talented player. Like he he still probably is like you know they're high on him Travis Link has openly said he's the most talented player on the basketball team um and so like but but it's going to it's going to depend on him and you know maybe if his shot's not falling but the defense is still incredible you can get away with it with with this with this roster now like you know they so there's less pressure on him on offense but they they need that defense they need his versatility, his ability to guard anybody. Yeah, they're, the they're they're gonna need his playmaking. That's they that need spot. They, defense. To me, I'm like they need him. They need DeAndre Hunter to actually get like DeAndre Hunter has to get blocks and steals. At the end of the day, you, you can't be without like. There's only, to my knowledge, the only good defender who doesn't get blocks and steals is uh, Clay Thompson. Yeah. And even he is limited relative to the elite defenders in the yeah, league. You want to be? Mean, there's no way around. They didn't draft. They didn't draft DeAndre Hunter to be an okay defender. They didn't draft DeAndre Hunter to be a good defender. They drafted DeAndre Hunter to be an elite one, and he, he has to be. He has to show that what he did in college wasn't a fluke. When he could legitimately guard everybody on the floor, stay in front of guys, really harass ball handlers. Get get in their chest. The ones the one sequence he had last year against James Harden, where he was really good, but he's got to do that every night. That's got to be every night, and then he's got to be able to box out Bam Adebayo uh, for a defensive rebound. I mean, that's just if he wants to be good in this league, that's what he has to do. And Herder, Herder's got to attack the rim when it's there. He's got to attack bad defenders. He's got to come off the screen ready to do something with the ball. Like, he can't just, like, or he's just not going to play that much. And, like, it's playing time is going to come down to the, how well they play. Like, it's, yeah, it's, it's going to come down the, the point of the point produce. of getting default playing time is over on the team. Yeah. Basically. I mean, we, we, we it, it's, worth, it's worth just saying that out loud sometimes because I was, you know, last year, like, like we said, they needed to play. They were also the best options, but they also needed to develop. They were young. They were, they were not trying to win, all that stuff. Now that is not going to happen, and they're they're all signaling that they're all saying it plainly. Lloyd keeps talking about competition. It's going to be, be it's, you know best best player place for the most part. I mean, there'll be some versatility of, of course in lineups and stuff, but uh, there's no more there's no more rebuild talk when it comes to like got to play this guy for development. The only guy that might be under that is a Kongwu, maybe, and even then it's because he's still the backup center, so he's got to play anyway. So we'll see. But and I don't find that to be a bad thing. Oh no, it's not. I, mean, I find this to be a good thing. I, I'm like, you know, in a lesser role, maybe Kevin Herter figures things out that he couldn't when he's when his all his weaknesses are being exposed. But now in a lesser role, he can actually thrive and be a positive influence consistently, consistently. They need these guys to be consistently good, and this and this goes back to like everybody saying, oh, they got to trade Collins because Hunter. You know, he played a little bit of four. They drafted a Kongu. Those guys got to show that they are consistently good the way that John Collins is consistently good. That's so hard. Like, that's what separates the good basketball players in the NBA is that they're consistent. And if you're consistently productive the way Collins is, you're just not going to overtake his playing time. So if, but if you, but if you want to play a lot on this team, you got to, you, you got to do something more than just be a catch and shoot guy. Cause that's what Hunter and Herter were more or less last year. They, you know, okay to on Hunter's point, but really good 
with Herder is that they were really, you know, they were just ultimately catch and shoot guys. They were dependent players, dependent on Trey Young to do everything on offense. And then on defense, they don't, they don't, you know, they just don't fill their role based on what they do on offense. Like, if you're not going to be the number one ace like Trey Young is, or if you're not going to be the productive offensive machine that John Collins is, you got to do more. And you got to figure it out. And, like, now with playing time not being a given, they're going to have to play hard consistently, those three guys. Um, they're going to have to – and they're going to have to find ways to be productive. And like, you know, maybe these, I'm, I'm saying the same thing, but it's the truth. Like, you know, Lloyd said it on the Zach Lloyd pod. Those guys will tell him how much playing time they deserve. Yep. They'll tell him. It's not – Lloyd does not I'm, – I'm telling you guys that's the one thing I, I want to leave with this. Lloyd Pierce does not care this season. He's coaching for his life, for Correct. his job, his livelihood. Schlank built this team for his livelihood. Their job's on the line. They don't care who plays. If X player doesn't play tonight, too bad. It just wasn't in the card. It might not have nothing to do with him. But we're trying to win as many games as possible. That's why I'm everybody's feet being on the fire. Everybody's playing for something. Trey Young's playing for his reputation. John Collins is playing for his reputation. Uh Bob Don's playing to prove that he's better than what he's shown in Sacramento. You know, Capella's Capella's playing for his reputation. People forgot. People forgot about Clint Capella. Uh, hilari- they, they hil- hilariously, his his teammate Bogdanovich said that he uh, forgot he was on the team. Which is everybody funny. forgot <laughs> when the Rockets traded him away to save money. To be clear, they did to save money, not because of who they got eventually. Right? People were just like, "Oh, the Rockets are going to go five small, and it's going to work." And it's like they missed him. They, you know, like they teams need big big men, and Capella's one of the best. And he's gonna he's got something to prove. Like, hey, I'm still a beast out here. I'm still a guy who can give you twenty and twenty against bad teams, like he did the Hawks multiple times. Um, so like, I'm to me, I'm like, I, like Clint Capella's the guy who outplayed Carl Anthony Towns in the playoff series. He was, Brad. People say like the Warriors played Capella off the floor. They did, but the year in which the Rockets actually had a chance to beat the the uh, Warriors before Chris Paul got hurt. Capella had a great series. Some games he didn't play that much, but other games he was dominant. He was good. And so it's like Capella's a good player, but he, he's got to prove that hey, I'm 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 still here. Like these guys are all playing for something. And to me that's a good thing. And so like we're not going to be waiting on Herder to find that consistency. If he doesn't, he's just not going to play that much. He's going to be a bit player. But if he does, great. He's taking minutes away from Rondo and Dunn. That's a good thing. Yep. That that means Herder's playing out of his mind. Right. He's playing. And that's to the thing. I, I think that's something I, I, I know we, we can we can get out of here on that too. It's just. I think people just need to not panic about rotations. They need to not worry too much. Uh, having a depth is a good thing. Having talent is a good thing. Um, if the guy that you want to play more isn't playing more, it's probably because he hasn't been that good. And we'll see what happens. Like, but I, I totally agree with you. This is not some, you know, future-facing thing anymore, because of what you said in part. In that Schlenk and Pierce have pressure. I mean, you can debate that, but every bit let of me, me, every bit of every bit of, of both reporting and common sense tells you that there is a uh, some sort of mandate that they have to get better. So that means they have pressure. That's just let me just add this. Um, Lloyd Pierce, his rookie season as a coach, benched Kent Bazemore, his team leader, for Kevin Herter because Kevin Herter was just better fit for what they needed to do to win games. And he was absolutely right to do it. Lloyd does not care about who makes the most money, who's the leader on and off the floor, off the floor, who who who's a veteran who's a rookie he's going to play who he thinks are his five best guys at any given point and work his rotations that way like i brad he benched trey young 
He's benched Trey Young multiple times. He did it last year too, sneakily. Yep. It doesn't get talked about, but he'll bench him. He'll bench anybody. John Collins, his his rookie season uh, or John Collins sophomore year couldn't get thirty minutes a game because Lloyd felt like defensively he was too much of a liability that year. Like that's Lloyd does not care, guys. They're in, they're and, in, they're in winning mode now. I, I'll tell you that right now. So yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I feel like we could do this forever, and we probably will. But uh, I don't know. If you have any final thoughts, please let them. Please let them know. We've been talking for two hours, and uh, that's, what, that's, that's what you and I do. Uh, my final thoughts are that um, go watch Bleach. If you if you love anime, you love shonen. I we had to get an, we had to get an anime reference know, in somewhere on the podcast. That I had know. To I know. Like I, I talked about Bleach last time I was on the pod, but. It bears repeating. It is so good. You just have to skip the filler. And I really hope, I really hope Bleach gets like a, a re, either a remaster or a remake because, like, that anime production did that that story such a disservice. Like, if it was if it came out today, it'd be the biggest thing in in Japan at the moment. Like, it really would. It's an it it really is a strikingly good story considering it's got great great character design the music's incredible like all of it is great you just have to skip the filler and you know realize that it was made in a different time like it it really was but it's it's a cla- like i feel like bleach is a classic that if you love shonen anime or if you love anime in general it's a must watch uh outside of that you know you can follow me, Jonesy2x4, for more Bleach takes as I continue to rewatch the series. You can at least uh, try to follow you. You are you are still protected account. Oh yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll eventually let people follow me. Um, it might take some time, but uh, yeah, follow me at Jonesy2x4 for those takes, for uh, video game takes, for a little bit of Falcons takes. I've, I've, I've You're back, baby. Way more. Back. Oh, oh, hold up, hold up. You're back, baby. I, I heard it. Back. I ain't back. <laughs> I'm watching the Falcons. I'm not rooting for them. You're back. I'm, I feel I'm watching it. them. Uh, can't I, I? I can't believe Dirk Cutter still has a job. Oh That's Lord, have mercy! Uh, I'm with you on that. Shocking. Shocking. Um, um, and yeah, I mean, start and starting away from tomorrow, uh, live Hawks tweets. I assume so. Oh yeah, there'll be games a week from tomorrow, so you'll be uh, firing away. I'm I'm very confident. I'll be in the building. I think we'll see how that goes, but. Um, nothing official. By the way, at, at, at this moment, I have no idea what the uh, situation is for media at Hawks games, and the first game is eight, eight, eight days away. So we'll see. Should be fun. I might be home. On the, I might be home with you on that one. I don't know. We'll see what happens. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, well, yeah, man. T- Tyler, thanks so much for doing this, man. It's uh, two hours deep, and I always appreciate the time. People love when you come on. I get asked when you're coming back on regularly, so people hopefully enjoyed a pretty deep dive in advance of the season. Hopefully this is uh, some good weekend listening for people. If they wanted to get into the weeds, I will uh, have you come back on soon. I'm sure when we get some real data to discuss with this team, you'll have some takes, I'm sure. And we'll do it again. Thanks for having me, Brad. My pleasure, sir. As for everybody else, please subscribe to the podcast. Please tell a friend about the show. I think I'll, I think I'll be back on Monday now for next week's podcast, but the schedule is supposed to come out on Friday night. So if that happens, Maybe I'll pop in. I'm not sure if it's going to do that or not, but we are, we are, we already kind of know what it, kind of know what's going to be. The matrix is already available, so it's really just like dates. I don't have a podcast for that necessarily, but go ahead and subscribe. That's the best way to get the podcast, and we'll see you all next time.